Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. Welcome to the Less Stressed Life podcast. This is your host, Krista Bigler, private practice integrative nutritionist, helping people across the U.S. reverse digestive issues, eczema, and autoimmunity via phone and video consult. To learn more, visit lessstressednutrition.com. Now, on to the show. All right, so today on the Less Stressed Life podcast, I have with me one of my favorite chefs, Sana Aberesk. Sana is a gourmet chef, restaurant to your author, nutritionist, food blogger. She, you may have seen her on the show Beat Bobby Flay on the Food Network, and she has a bachelor's of science degree in ag engineering and a master's degree in nutrition. She has a passion for the art of cooking, teaching cool recipes, and fighting child hunger in America and the world, which I love so much as well. Sana owns and operates Sana's, a popular vegan gluten-free restaurant in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And I will just tell you, I was there last year for a, an, a social event and Sana kind of told us her background story and I just fell in love with it. And by the way, if you're ever in um, that area, she has the best food, but she has this amazing buffet on Saturday so you can try all the things. I love it. So welcome, Sana. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. you. You're welcome. Thank you. Will you tell us, so let's talk about that that story, because you really didn't want to land in the middle of nowhere. Um, not that it's the middle of nowhere, but <laughs> it felt like that. Yeah. Um, so talk to us don't, about... Don't, don't, don't say that, yeah. Yeah, don't say that. It's really, lo- yeah. it's a wonderful place, and it's really grown a lot, but you've been around since before it was, uh, before health became, I feel like, I don't know, this is hard for me to say, because for me, health has been always important, but it's becoming, people are becoming yeah. more interested in health, you know, in the last 10 years. Yes, maybe. yes, which is wonderful. Yeah, I basically, I uh, I grew up in Syria, and my father uh, was a farmer, and uh, so that's why I ended up in agricultural engineering. Uh, he uh, used to cultivate uh, olive trees and vegetables and olives for olive oil. Anyway, so I decided to come to America to uh, pursue graduate degree, and then with a few twists, I ended up with the master in food and nutrition. Anyway, I went to Washington, D.C. to get uh, my Ph.D. I met my husband, my future husband. And, you know, after I said I do, he said, oh, by the way, I'm moving back home. And home was South Dakota. I never heard South Dakota before I said I do. So that's how I ended up here, I, by, you know, by accident. I just... Marrying a guy who is originally from South Dakota. 
I love it. Well, and you started in California, went to Washington, D.C., so these big places you've heard of when you're not from this country. And yes. maybe maybe I like your story mm-hmm. because similar thing happened to me once when I said I do. I was like, oh, I'm also moving home <laughs> so to the middle, uh, yeah. to, to, to uh, out in the you country. Know, so so tell you, us what you, happened you, then. You, you tell us before we move. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, you were saying before no, you moved. Yeah. I said, I wish they'd tell us before we said that we do. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> no, that was, I, I remember, actually, on that note, I remember my um, husband pretending to like cooking and shopping when I first met him, and I told my mom this, and she said, <laughs> he's just pretending. <laughs> and he was just pretending. <laughs> so, That's funny. <laughs> yeah, until it's too late. So, so then you move yeah. to South Dakota, and it is before – health is interesting and you're, it's kind of, you know, it's not a major food desert, but it probably felt like it when you were used to something else. So what happened next? Yeah. So, you know, like I said, I came from Damascus, which is uh, even up to now, people cook from scratch every day. And then DC, uh, California, California were buy fresh vegetables. Anyway, so we met, we moved to South Dakota and all of a sudden my husband's vegetarian, mind you. So, we moved here and then, you know, we want to go to a restaurant and we'll ask, okay, we'll have the Reuben sandwich. We'll pay for the full amount, but don't put the roast beef mm-hmm. or ch- chicken Caesar sandwich, hold the chicken. And we will start entertaining at home. I thought, okay, the best thing is just to entertain at home and cook for people. And uh, we did that almost every weekend. And um, one of the, our guests was, an owner of the building where I am right now. And then she called me and she said, would you consider opening a restaurant? And here I am 15 years later, still opening, still working on that restaurant. Well, and, and it's an amazing restaurant, but you're skipping the part about where you. you, uh, where you were a bit depressed, you know, being away from friends oh, really? and, and then, and then you start inviting people for food. <laughs> and I think, didn't your husband suggest you love cooking? Why don't you go to cooking school? Yeah, actually, we that's we before we moved to Sioux Falls, we moved from Washington D.C. to uh, uh, Rapid City, and because he, he wanted to be away from people, he bought the house before I, you know, I was still uh, packing my stuff in the, in Washington D.C. So he bought the house without me, and he bought the house uh, outside Rapid City in the hills, just a few miles from Mount Rushmore. It was, I mean, stunning, beautiful, everything. And I went crazy. I love, you see, I love people. I love noise. I love pollution. I love traffic. <laughs> and so we we got there and everybody said, like, oh, so beautiful, fresh air. And I'm like, go inside. I pull my hair like I can't take it anymore. So one day he came home and he found me literally just sitting in the closet, crying and pulling my hair. I just couldn't take it. So he said, you know, yeah, he said, why don't you pursue what you like, cooking? Just do cooking. So I end up uh, going to Paris for um, baking, and then I went to uh, Florence, Italy for sauces, and came back home and started writing cookbook and uh, inviting our neighbor to try the recipes. And that's when I published my first cookbook. And then the restaurant came when we moved to to Sioux Falls. Um, and anyway, Rapid City still wasn't... I mean, I love this atmosphere. I loved it, but I I really needed more people. I needed more. Right. Uh, I don't know how to say it. Uh, life. Yeah. You know, I lo- maybe a little more culture lo- and access to yeah, ingredients. Lo- yeah. 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 Exactly. So we moved here, and then, like I said, that ended up 
a couple of years inviting people and then we end up I end up uh, opening the restaurant but yeah actually you know had I probably found a job or I enjoyed being in the hills between the bears and the the mountain goat maybe I would have never opened the restaurant so in a way I'm glad I didn't so I'm in my restaurant yeah there's a uh, there's a video I love online it's really short and it's a rabbi that talks about how we how we create change in a better life and it's he says look at the lobster and the lobster gets uncomfortable um, because it wants to grow but its shell is so small and so it wants to grow so it has to shed its shell and create a new shell and that's you know so discomfort makes us grow into a new way so and actually yes yeah I like that yeah, I do I like too uh, let's go back one step because we did miss the part about you came from a family where you need to go do something pretty prestigious so you go into engineering yeah. and but it wasn't you didn't love it so then why did you get a master's in nutrition well okay so basically yes my family was you you know you are either an engineer or a doctor that's it mm-hmm. there's no you know and i you know in a way i appreciate that now so much because my dad wanted for us to be independent and that's for him. That's how you become, you know, you have your own career. Mm-hmm. So you don't need anybody. So and I, I, I appreciate that so much. Anyway, but he has a farm. So I end up, you know, engineering, agricultural engineering. I hated working for him. You know, he's your dad. So whatever you do, he doesn't like. Mm-hmm. He knows more than you. Uh, so and then I had a professor who graduated in the agricultural college. He graduated from California, Berkeley. So he was always talking about America, America, America. So I told my dad, you know, can I get, the, you know, go to America and get PhD? Why PhD? Because what's the title in front of my name will be doctor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he agreed because, oh, yeah, then you become a doctor, of course. So yeah. you can come back and t- teach in college. So I said, perfect. So he, they actually supported me and... Um, I came to America. I went to school first in English in Washington, D.C., and then I was accepted in California. I went for my interview to apply for my master's degree in agricultural engineering. While I was waiting for the interview, uh, a, a lady came. She looked like me, you know, curly hair, short, a little bit dark skin. So she sat next to me, and she said, where are you from? I said, I'm from Syria. She said, why are you here for? I said, I'm here. To, I'm waiting for an interview for a you know, master's degree in agriculture. She said, uh, do you like biochemistry? I said, I love biochemistry. She said, do you enjoy working in the farm? I said, not really. She said, come interview with me. She was the head of the food and nutrition department. <laughs> I interviewed with her and I was accepted at the food and nutrition. So that's why I switched. <laughs> she swiped you up out of the waiting room. That's why, yeah, yeah, I was, I think, you know, I was just thinking, I don't want to work in the farm with my dad, so it was easy to convince me. Yeah, it was. Now, let's talk about your dad. You said he grew olives, so when you came to the U.S., I mean, I'm always on the pursuit of great olive oil, so were you able to get big barrels of olive oil over to yourself when you permanently resided in the U.S., or, I know this is a ridiculous question, but this is, like, something I've aspired to for a long time, having a great source of olive oil. So did you have a great source of olive oil? Well, when, when I first was a student, so I would buy like the 16 ounce because it was so expensive, mm-hmm. you know, so I'll buy this, you know, and then when I go visit my family, my father was, you know, said, take, take, take some with you, take some. And I said, I, dad, I can't carry 10 gallon of oil on the plane. 
you know, because he would think how much it costs. So I would only, I would, you know, I would only buy, you know, the small bottle and I was very frugal with it. I feel like this is tragic. I feel like they should have sent you a barrel. Yeah. I, In retrospect. Well, especially when you, for us, like, yeah, absolutely, I agree. For us, you know, coming from this family or even a Mediterranean, if you have nothing to eat, all what you do is put olive oil, some spices in it, and you eat it with bread. That's, I mean, like for us, it's, uh, how do you say, it's basically like water. Yeah, I love that. I love yes. that you just mix it with fresh spices and have some bread. That is beautiful. Oh, yeah. 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 I love it. And I love that, it. You know, even, even now, you know, we, you know, like I said, if I feel like, oh, I don't want to cook. I don't want anything, especially in the summertime. Slice of tomatoes, olive oil, some little bit of uh, a mixture of like we call butter. Did you say a mixture of pepper? Nice bread. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, uh, uh, spices, it's called zatar. Now it's becoming popular in the United States. So if you go, now you, you go to like Puna Petit magazine, you'll find some zatar, Middle Eastern zatar. That basically mixed with herbs. Ah, what's it? Can you spell very, it? Yeah. Zatar is Z-A-A-T-A-R. Oh, okay. Yeah, zatar. Okay, I think I have seen that before. Okay. Yep. yep. Yeah, well, now it's becoming popular. So yeah. So let's talk about the influence of the diet from what you grew up with to what you found in America and what you've created now. Because you, in between there, you went to food school. So I'm guessing you brought your own flair. But tell me about what a typical meal was growing up. And if that, I mean, I'm sure that really influences, obviously, your Mediterranean restaurant. But talk a bit about more about that. Well, for example, I'm just going to, for example, I'm going to talk about breakfast. You know, uh, when I see people eating cereal or uh, Pop-Tart or something, for us, breakfast, mm-hmm. um, it's like a, a plate of uh, labni. Labni is the drained yogurt, uh, Greek yogurt, or, you know, or Middle East. It's just a plain yogurt. You drain it, so it becomes like a cream cheese almost, but a little bit more uh, spreadable. It's between cream cheese, the texture, and mascarpone cheese, but it's sour. Mm-hmm. And you dissolve it with olive oil, uh, and next to it, you have different kind of pickled olive. You have green olive. So you have... Then plain... you have different kind of cheeses. Then you have baby cheese. So you have, uh, you have a Greek yogurt that's strained with olive oil and olives and spices? And Yeah, different kind of olives. I mean, all like... Okay, Think of the tapas. Have you seen the tapas table? Yes, yes. Okay, same principle. So you in the morning, they they'll bring fresh bread, fresh 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 flat bread. Mm-hmm. They bring uh, they put a plate of the labni, that's a, the drained yogurt, a plate of uh, green olives, a plate of black cured olives, uh, fresh eggs, fresh tomatoes, fresh mint. Mm. I'm writing zatar, it down. The right zatar, um, and then the bowl of olive oil, so you to dip. Uh, that's they, basically, that's a different kind of cheese. Cheeses. That's like your basic, basic breakfast. And because, now? I mean, and if you think of, and you think about it, this is your best meal. That's if you eat good at that meal, you're good all day. Yeah. So, I mean, your, okay. rest, your restaurant is vegan now. So translate this to a vegan uh, well, breakfast for me. Uh, okay, almost vegan because don't forget, uh, in South Dakota, uh, you know, it, uh, a lot of women come in dragging their husbands. So we do have actually 
for the I call it Norwegian safe food, so everybody eat it. <laughs> yeah, you have you have husband safe food at the at the vegan restaurant. You cut out. Yeah, there for a yeah. Second. They cut basically the men cut. Come in, holding their hands around their you know their breasts like okay you know what are you going to feed me you know looking at you know. So we say we have a Norwegian safe food. We have this is for you and this is for you. So yeah, yeah. it's not hundred percent vegan. We do have a couple of dishes, so especially for. Fine. So if you want uh, you want a vegan, you want a vegan breakfast. That's what you're asking me. Yeah, yeah, vegan breakfast. Hold on, Sana. I'm gonna change okay. to a one second sure. before you keep talking. I'm gonna change to a hot spot because you kind of cut out there for a second, and I want to make sure oh, it's not sorry. on my end. No, it's fine. I just okay. um, I'm just just gonna change the internet for a second and see, make sure it doesn't see if it's on okay. me. And it doesn't happen again. One sec. I'll tell you when I'm ready. It might disconnect okay. us too. Sure. Hold on. Hold on. All right, I think it went. All right, one second. Let me write this down so I, my assistant is. All right, are you still there? Yes. Uh-huh. All right, great. I'm here. Okay, so we talked about this typical breakfast. That's the Greek yogurt and the olives and the fresh spices and the fresh tomatoes and the eggs. I mean, that's a that's a hearty meal. So, um, and we were talking about the contrast Hello? between what's. Yeah, yeah, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you're breaking up a little bit. Okay. Um, let me know if it continues and I'll make some other changes. I don't okay. know if it's, if it's, if it ju- it was, you know, an accident or it's where I'm not sure, but let me know if it continues and we'll, yeah. we'll make a change. No, no, no. It's working fine now. Okay. Beautiful. So we talked about the Greek breakfast with the, uh, kind of the, the hybrid, uh, the spreadable, like drained Greek yogurt with the olives and the, the bread and the fresh eggs and the, it's the herbs. What I hear is herbs and healthy, healthy fats. I love that. So, um, so t- tell us, because you're a vegan restaurant, tell us what the vegan version of this breakfast is. And then tell us, tell me how that, how some of this inspired your current, um, restaurant menu. Okay, so the, the spice mixture, the one I told about, is zatar. So basically, they put a bowl of the mixed herbs, the zatar, and they put an olive oil next to it. So you dip with it. Then you have the hummus, which is a high-protein uh, spread. Then you have the bread, and they only use uh, yeast and olive oil. Then, then you have, we make a spread. Uh, hello, can you hear me? Oh, yep, I can hear you. Oh, okay. And then they ha- you have a spread, basically, is uh, walnut, uh, red pepper, and olive oil. Also, you can spread it on the bread. And then you have all kind of cheeses and baby cucumber. And then they have something very unique in that area in particular. They take baby uh, eggplants, mm. and they, they start around uh, September, October. So you would go as the farmer. You want a baby eggplant. So I want 40 pounds of baby eggplant. What they do with the eggplant, they stuff it with a mix of uh, hot pepper and sweet pepper and garlic and walnut, and then they pickle it in oh, olive oil. And that's part of your breakfast. You know, So they put three or four of them. So the, everything I mentioned right now is all vegan. Because, you know, and it's inexpensive. See, that's another thing. A lot of people around the world, they eat vegan. It's a, it's a way they came out in genius way to, to basically feed their, their family and let them grow 
on a vegan item. So they knew how to manage to mix hummus with bread, beans with rice, so they can have full protein, very inexpensive source for it. Right, right. This, so what do we call this pickled baby eggplant dish? Magdus. By the way, my husband hated Really? <laughs> yeah, because it's, uh, it's you know, he, he can't think, he can't, which I can see from somebody who grew up in America, how can you eat so much garlic for breakfast? Because it's garlic and pepper and walnuts. <laughs> well, you know, I don't know if this is the same recipe, but I have, I think both of your cookbooks, I have the one, the one I get, I use more, I think it's yellow. I think it's, I'm not sure if it's the gluten-free one, but one of the first recipes in it is basically two red peppers and a lot of walnuts. And I think a lot of olive oil, maybe something else. I'm not sure if it's this spread. It's this red pepper dip. And it is so oh, Muhammad, good. That's the one you spread on the bread. Thank you. That's the one we spread on the, so you basically you have your fresh, fresh, fresh bread. And immediately, while it's still hot, you spread that spread on it, and that, you know, you have your breakfast. You can roll it, have it like a wrap, and you can have breakfast like that. Yeah. I That's one of my favorite things. Like, that tastes good on anything. So sometimes if I'm I, cooking I something, something fancy or just if I have people who enjoy food, I'll, I'll make that. Um, but I think people who... People who don't know they like nice food, they still like that. It's such a good, it's such a good, easy, easy dip. So it's, it's very yummy. Um, so well, we're, t- we're talking about, you're talking about fresh bread often, but you've mm-hmm. really mastered gluten-free bread and gluten-free cooking. Why is that? Well, you know, I, for me, food is pleasure. I mean, it's not only, it's essential, of course, for us to grow, but it's part of life pleasure that you know, uh, in every culture. So for me, when I came, when I opened my restaurant, I never, I mean, I, I am a, I'm a dietitian, everything, but I never thought of paying attention to gluten sensitive foods or gluten free food. So when I had few customers and come and tell me, oh, you know, we can eat bread. So I took it as a challenge. I want you, if you eat something, I want you to enjoy it. I don't want to like, oh, well, tough luck. You're uh, gluten sensitive. You have to eat this cardboard. That's not acceptable to me. You have to enjoy it. So it took me a while. I I worked with different ingredients. And I'm very happy to say that, you know, my gluten-free pizza bread, it tastes exactly like regular pizza bread. Yeah. And the secret is, I think you're using, well, I think you're using potato flour. I think you write about this in one of your cookbooks. But um, Uh what what were the ups and downs in trying to figure out the gluten-free baking for you? Well, uh, different uh, different kind of flours. Because, like, for example, I didn't like fava bean in the mixture. I didn't like garbanzo beans in the mixture. The garbanzo bean, it tasted more like a falafel. Mm-hmm. The fava bean one, it was so strong that overpowered everything else. And for me, bread should not, unless you're eating a focaccia, for example, that you want to eat it on, on its own, bread should be neutral. I mean, it tastes good on its own, but should not compete with whatever you have with it. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to have its own flavor, very nice flavor, but it's not strong to com- to kill the other dish. So the one with the fava bean, I felt I felt like it just kind of tasted everything I ate. It tastes like fava bean. So mm-hmm. I worked with different flours and then to make it rise because pizza bread it pops open. The gluten in the regular flour that's what make it's like a gum. It makes the pizza bread become pocket bread. So that was my challenge. I wanted something that it popped open. Mm. So I, you know, I kept using yeast, uh, uh, baking soda, different flours, and I don't want to use eggs. I want to make it vegan. 
I don't want to use any dairy because I want to make it vegan, dairy-free. So anyway, so working with that after, you know, like I said, about six months, got it. It worked. And I basically for the, the secret for that, make it so, uh, you know, chewable, not doesn't break, is I, um, I use, I boiled rice and then I puree it. So it becomes sticky and it pops mm-hmm. with the yeast. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like I said, I mean, I'm, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm very happy with the bread. Yeah. You could consult for a food company <laughs> if you have any free time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one time I went to, um, when I was growing up, I was really overweight because I love food. So I went to the doctor. My mom took me so I to lose weight. And he said, describe what you eat. So I was describing everything, you know, the spices, the herbs. He said, you're never going to lose weight. You enjoy food too much to lose weight. <laughs> well, it wasn't all that thing. Well, I just quit desserts. I mean, bad desserts. And I did lose the weight, but I still eat the food. But uh-huh. anyway, but that's what I remember. That He just looked at me. He said, young lady, you're not going ever going to lose weight. <laughs> took that as a challenge a little bit. But, you know, yeah, yeah, I've, exactly. I've heard you. You know, what I really love about your restaurant is that this isn't just a restaurant. This is a lot of flavor and you can mat like you are a master of flavor while still accommodating lots of special diets. We're in a society where we're usually kind of bland and boring. You've made it so delicious that I don't know how anyone could not like it, but I hear you say like food is about enjoyment. You don't think that people who need to eat gluten-free need to eat cardboard. So like if I was to ask you about your view about food and your food philosophy, would you just say food is for something that brings us together it's for love like what's your food philosophy yeah absolutely i mean like i said i mean okay take food first is a basic need everybody has to have it in order to grow mm-hmm. but same time it's you know what when you're happy like for if you walk to a place and you smell something sometimes immediately it brings you this old memory oh i had you know my grandmother used to make this cinnamon it's beautiful memories it's something that make bring us joy when you have a special occasion, you get together. When you have a wedding, you get together. Even, you know, even sometimes in death, what we do, we get together over a meal. And, and se- second thing is, um, this is one of the few things that we have control over in our life. So when, you know, uh, when you cook together, you're having fun. When you're talking, you know, uh, when you walk in the street in Rome, you smell chestnut. So now you have memory of Rome. So all this, for me, it has to be pleasurable. Like I said, we have something we have control over. So I don't, I just absolutely, I don't care how much you diet. I don't care what's your restriction. You have to enjoy the food. I mean, if you don't, enjoy, if you're eating something like a medicine, you're taking some part of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we talk about, you're talking about enjoying things. What about the community? You talk about the health benefits associated with being surrounded by family and friends and community. Why do you think that's so important? It's, you know, I'm going to just describe for you a meal. So let's say, you know, you're cooking together. You start talking, you're visiting. Immediately, little by little, your stress levels start going down and down. And then when you start eating... sitting on the table, sharing stories, almost like you're doing therapy with each other, you know, and then, you, you know, you're connecting to each other. Uh, you know, for us, when we, 
for example, in, in around the area where I am from, there is no psychiatrist because your neighbor is psychiatrist, your mother is psychiatrist, <laughs> your sister is psychiatrist. I'm serious because you sit down and you're cooking together and you say, oh, guess what happened today? You know, so I'm saying, oh, really? Oh, yeah. And, oh, let, oh, let me tell you what happened to me. In two or three hours, by, by the time you finish dinner and had your, you know, we drink tea after you had your tea, you're feeling great. You're not angry with your husband anymore. You, you, you find that your child is as active or as bad as anybody else. You know, your, you know, your friend is, you know, so basically it's a kind of bringing your community together and it's taking your stress level way, way down. You go home happy. Yeah, I love it. It's a stress management routine. Stress management oh, hygiene. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're talking about it. Basically, that's what you do at the psychiatrist. You're talking about it. But yeah. now you're talking about it without, without, without anybody, without you feeling self-conscious because this is your friend, this is your family. And the minute one starts talking, the other starts talking. That's why for me, I think it's so important to enjoy a meal together, not eating while you're watching TV because then it's, you know, what's the use? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Or eating while you're working or something like that. Or eating while you're working. Or even like for us, one thing we don't do at the restaurant, I, we only open one night for dinner. I don't like to flip table. The table is yours for the evening. When you come out to eat at the dinner, you should take your time, you know, eat everything, sit four hours. I love it. The longer you stay, the more I like it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I look forward to coming back and just sitting then and having tea appropriately. Let me ask you this, because when you talk about this, I think, oh, yes, I used to have so many dinner parties. That was like how I went through college with dinner parties. But I know you have children. I know you have one daughter, if, I, if I'm if i thinking about this correctly. Yes. Maybe you have a son yeah. as well. When that's, they were growing no, no, that's up. That's correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. When they were growing up, were you able to have this therapeutic meal, meal with them where you got to chat or did you feel like there was some chaos in there as well at a certain, at a certain age? No, we, basically what I did, I mean, I'm grateful that I'm, I made the decision that I don't open for dinner, period. Yes. So I'm able, I was able, you know, to, to pick up my daughter from school, come home. And then what I do, what I did with her, we, I would make a dough. And she was, so she has many of every instrument I have in the kitchen. And then I make her, you know, rip the salad and then how's school? What's going on? And she's, you know, she's making pizza over and over the same dough. It's, I mean, by the time she finishes, it's a horrible dough. You know, I make, you know, but she's talking to me. I'm talking to her. And then she, up to now, she never still, um, you know, she's just graduated from college. So she still, when she come home, she sits on the same, t- so she did all her homework eating on the dining room table. So I'm next to her in the kitchen. We're talking and visiting. And now she's, I'm happy to say that for the last three years in college, she cooked, she cooked her own meals and she would send me pictures or she would call me, what should I do with this? Say, okay, do this, do this, you know. So it's, it's still part of our um, connection. Yeah, your relationship. I love it. Yeah, you know, yes. you, that's a that's a great way to talk about like making things enjoyable. And I think that's a really like key message that you don't maybe even realize that you're putting off. I'm sure you probably do. But it's all about really enjoying things and getting comfortable with them. So cooking yes. and be, being creative in the kitchen can be a lot of fun. What do you think is the number one barrier to people enjoying cooking? That if uh, you know, I think we lost a generation of, you know, of training 
home cook. For a while, you know, all the frozen meals, eating out. So at least some people I'm hiring, when I hire them, they still, you know, some of them are afraid to use a knife or they never chop something. Mm. And so it's becoming, it's, you bec- people are becoming nervous. Now it's changing. I can see it changing and I'm very grateful for that. So what I always tell people, I said, don't try start with like, you know, some books and like even some recipes in the magazines, you go like, make this first and then make this sauce second and then mix one with two and then you go on and on. That's intimidating to anybody. Mm-hmm. If you have a family, if you have a family, I tell them start simple recipe, pasta sauce with some pasta and let the kids make the, make the salad. Doesn't have to be complicated dish. You know, once in a while, like this weekend, my daughter and I were thinking we chose a, like a dessert recipe that, you know, making cereal dough from scratch was, I think, crazy. But right. just for the heck of it, we're going to do it. But then it's once a while. But every day, I honestly, even at home, I make the simplest dishes. Because like you said, it has to be fun. If it's intimidating and you're sweating and you're nervous, you decide the whole purpose of cooking at home. Right. And I think something that is ingrained in you and that I'm always trying to embrace is that you can have a very simple dish, but it's some flavors. You just need some flavors and you just need to get comfortable with something like some, some exactly. adding a little flavor. That's really the thing. Like just to go out there and experience. Exactly. What, yeah, that's um, what I tell people. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say like, what do you say? Like, what are some of your favorite flavors to bring in um, that like make anything taste good? Oh, I, well, I, for me, if you don't eat garlic on onion, you're in trouble in my restaurant and in my home. I, Seriously, because when we have, sometimes we have somebody who come in and she say, I don't like garlic, I don't like onion, and I don't like spices. I look at her and I said, I'm sorry, I can give you pizza bread, but, you know, that's it. <laughs> uh, so garlic and onion and fresh tomatoes and good olive oil, that's a must. Those are your, that's, that's to your, start with. That's your oh, yeah. bread and butter. They're your water. That's exactly, like. Exactly. That's like the salt in the house. It has to be there. I mean, yeah. and then and then uh, you have basil, rosemary, fresh mint. Like now I have fresh mint. So, to you know, so immediately I think of, you know, make, you know, make a, uh, like a pesto from fresh mint, mm-hmm. uh, th- white thyme, fresh ginger. I love spices because, you know, I mean, basically, even if you have a steak, whatever you do is everything is a blend until you add all these vegan i also tell people i said you know what all the flavor come from come from herbs which is our plant that's mean vegan so your vegan dishes can be the most delicious food yeah yeah lots of lots of colorful flavor i feel like there's a lot of oh um, absolutely you get more phytonutrients from herbs than just the vegetables alone i was um yeah yeah, so and i always tell them also don't you know we have a teeth for a reason Please don't overcook your vegetables. You know you wanna you know, you wanna make noise when you eat. Yeah. Because yeah, the more you co- you know, so that, that's part of the flavor. Because when you overcook anything, even the herbs, you lost you lost the flavor, you lost the textures. So you know. And if anyone's counting, you lost a lot of nutrients. <laughs> Honestly. Yes, of course. Yeah. 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 So what advice do you have if someone's listening and they'd really like to take charge of what they eat without stress? Because for some people, food is stressful for them. So what do you say to that person? 
So what I usually, you know, I recommend, let's say you sit down and choose five dishes that you love, that your family loves, whether it's pizza, pasta, uh, a grain, uh, you know, grain dish, you know, rice and beans or something, and make them over and over until you don't have to look at the book, until they become yours. So instead of basin, say, okay, you know what? Let me use thyme this time, or let me use cilantro this time. And this way, that's how you start basically building your own portfolio. Start basic, basic, basic recipes. Make, you know, make them yours. And then build, again, a few salads, few sauces, that's it. And nobody keeps cooking different dishes every day of the year. Trust me, I don't care who the chef is. You know, every household, you have few favorite recipes, and that's what you cook them over and over. So that's what some people feel intimidated about. They think they have to cook something different every day. That's, you know, doesn't need to happen. Right. So for me, the basic, basic, basic dish is pasta. Make, you know, I can give you a couple ideas for, you know, easy, easy pasta sauce. And then you just boil your pasta and that's it. And uh, take some romaine lettuce, some tomatoes. Now you have baby cucumbers from the farmer's market. Toss them together, some olive oil, lemon juice, and you have a wonderful meal. Yeah. Uh, And I hear you, like, I think you're an expert at these beautiful, amazing salads. And that's kind of one of my things for the week is I want to make a beautiful, amazing salad. The first time I had tabbouleh at your restaurant, I thought, all right, the other, the past tabbouleh, and I know this is one of your most popular dishes. The past time I had tabbouleh was like all couscous or all the grain. And with your tabbouleh, it's like all parsley. And I love parsley. Parsley, yes. It's so beneficial and it's so hearty. You know, every time I grow herbs, I'm killing my basil and cilantro, which I love, but at least the parsley he always stands up for me parsley and mint so gotta indulge yeah. in the parsley and mint and you keep cutting them and they keep coming back that's what i love about them they, they just they you know all summer long you just cut and you have more cut and have more Mm-hmm. I think, you know, with the advice you gave on finding five recipes that you know you love and like making them over and over until they're yours and you've kind of like, you know, given them your own persona, that is getting comfortable, you know, with something. And the more yeah. you get comfortable, uh-huh. the more you like something, right? Because no one likes something they're uncomfortable I, I, with. Exactly. And the less stressed you are. Yes, exactly. You know, if somebody if somebody walk in and say, I want pasta, it's, oh, no big deal. Give me five minutes. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And in the meantime, maybe someone learns how to use the knife and they can cut up the vegetables faster and they're a little quicker in the kitchen. And that makes them happy too, right? Like it just takes a little bit of practice. That's one of like the big things I'm surprised by in people's kitchen is like, oh, you have a dull knife or not a knife at all. I don't know how you make anything, like unfortunately. No. Like I said, because people for a while, you know, they didn't cook and they became, now became intimidated. But I agree with you. You know, a knife is a must good olive oil, some must, good shopping board, the bus. And like you said, you know, what I do, and when I cook at home alone, and when I cook at the, at the restaurant before my staff arrive, I have my own music. I put my music on, turn it loud, get my knife, get my vegetables. And even this, by, you know, then you, be, even this, it makes you happy, less stressed. And take it easy when you, if you're just starting to chop, take it easy, you know, especially if you have sharp knife. Right. You know, you don't have to chop so fast like, uh, you know, what chefs you see on TV. Just take it easy, chop a little bit, 
And then you'd notice the difference in smell of the vegetables when you chop fresh. Because don't forget, when you buy chopped vegetables from the grocery stores, they already started the decaying process. You yeah. already broke the cells. So that's for me, when I see people buying chopped onion and chopped onion, it's like, no, please don't. You know, you're, first, you're paying money for somebody else's work, which it takes you two minutes. And second, you're already paying vegetables that already is, they lost some of the nutrients and they're starting to decay. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the smell is not there. So, yeah, it starts, you know, slowly, chop slowly, slowly, turn your olive oil on, put the music on, and then, you know, start cooking and it becomes easier. Yeah. yeah. Time after time becomes really easier. Right. And with ease comes less stress. So, so, exactly. now, so now you have a couple of great cookbooks. I think they're on Amazon. What are they called? Uh, the first one is called Secret, Secret of Healthy Middle Eastern Cuisine. And then we have one, I think there's only a few copies left. It's called Oh Boy, I Can't Believe It's Soy. You know, for a while it was out of tofu recipe, so I made out of recipe using tofu. Uh, and then, by the way, one of them is vegan, uh, mascar- uh, vegan tiramisu in, in that book. And then uh, Secret of Healthy Middle Eastern, oh, sorry, and then uh, Gluten-Free Vegetarian Mediterranean Recipes. Yeah, I know I have that one. That one's very good. That's where the yep. walnut spread is, just so you know. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. It's a good one. Um, where can people find you online? Uh, so I have a, uh, my, my blog is senacooks.com. Uh, it's under construction, but there's already about 300 some recipes. Uh, 90% of them are vegan and there's two, I use milk. And almost all of them are gluten-free. So there's uh, sanacooks.com. I'm on Instagram, which I post out of pictures and recipes too. Just Sana Aburesk. Um Let's see, what else? We have Twitter, uh, Facebook, Sana Street Gourmet. I'm everywhere. Yeah, you're everywhere. And so Sanacooks is S-A-N-A-A-Cooks.com, just so everyone knows. Yeah, Cooks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sanacooks. There's an S at the end, yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on today and just talking shop about the kitchen and kind of how you got to where you are, because I think the story is half the fun. Um, Because sometimes people just look at look at the restaurant and they think, oh, this is awesome. And she is, you know, but she's Mediterranean. So that's why it's like this. But really, like you want to share this with the world. So we just really appreciate you sharing a little piece, a little piece of your Mediterranean journey with us. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it very much. And Please, everybody, get a knife and start cooking. Yeah, exactly. One of the best gifts you could give us at The Less Stressed Life is your feedback. We are paid in podcast reviews. If you enjoyed this or any other episode, please leave us a review. In the iTunes store or from your podcast app, just search for Less Stressed Life as if you're not already subscribed. Click on the banana face image, scroll to the bottom where it shows the text of other reviews, and write a review. While you're there, hey, make sure you hit subscribe. For Android or Stitcher users, you gotta go to the desktop site and search for Less Stress Life, and then scroll down to leave a review. Stitcher doesn't load Apple reviews on their site, so if you want, you can leave a review in both places. Your feedback means a lot to the success of the show. Thanks so much for taking the time to do that. You rock.